Grebo is comes from like those dudes who used to have the long hair in the in the 70s and 80s with the the dirty denim cutoffs. I mean, I remember it, like, coming in the press and thinking like, oh, what are they calling us that? Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Fenster's Funky Sevens. My name is Fenster. The idea behind this podcast is that I'm a record collector and I have a large collection of seven-inch singles. So each episode, I take seven of those seven-inch singles and rearrange them into some sort of a theme or a genre. And the theme for this episode is Grebo, a style of music popular in the late 80s and early 90s. Long live the Grebo! Grebo rock! When you watch any pop culture history of 80s Britain or dance music documentaries, they start talking about the summer of love and raves. They might tell the story of Paul Oakenfold and Danny Rampling going to Ibiza and coming home and setting up Spectrum and Shoom, and then they'll move to Manchester and the Hacienda and say something like... Everything came out of a Hacienda. Dance music came out of a Hacienda. Bands came out of a Hacienda. And anybody who wanted to have any sort of sense or feeling of what was going on in that town was in the Hacienda. But then they don't talk about the DJs like Mike Pickering or Graham Park who created the Hacienda's legendary reputation. They don't talk about the American house music they were playing, like Strings of Life by Rhythm is Rhythm. Farley Jackmaster Funk's Love Can't Turn Around. They don't even bother to mention the people in Manchester who were making house music at the time, like a guy called Gerald.
or 808 state. No, instead they start pontificating about indie bands who became a little groovier than they might have been. One band that defined the scene on the Hacienda's dance floor was Happy Mondays, fronted by Sean Ryder. Even though they had the lineup of a traditional rock band, Happy Mondays music came straight out of the dance and drug culture. Happy Mondays captured this sort of heady, intoxicated swirl. It's all very disoriented. It's like your head's spinning a little bit. It's not... It's like... It's like you've had a bit too much in. And I'm not running down the Happy Mondays. I like the Happy Mondays, but it's just that larger-than-life characters like Sean Ryder and Bez are a lot easier to write about than faceless 12 inches from Chicago. So they were elevated to this mythical status, similarly with the Stone Roses. For a generation brought up on a diet of electronic pop, the Stone Roses music was unfamiliar territory. You have this kind of funk influence, this loping, syncopated beats and stuff like that, which, which is now so, so much part of the kind of landscape of music that, that it's difficult to understand how weird that sounded in, in like 1989. And again, I love the Stone Roses. Great tunes, but they were an indie band with a bit of extra funk. The charts had been full of hip-hop and soul and breakbeat orientated dance music before they showed up, like Mars' huge number one, Pump Up the Volume. But the music press loved them because they said things like We knew the power of what we had with the songs and we knew we were going to be enormous. And it's not arrogant to say that, it's just that's the self-belief that we had. We knew we were going to be huge. And we knew we were of the time and the times were changing and we were, we were going to be the vanguard of kind of a new movement or whatever it was. And it was great to be part of it. There were dozens of other bands in the UK at the time who were experimenting with synths and drum machines and tape loops and sampling and rapping and hip-hop and house beats and blending them together with more traditional rock and punk and indie guitar sounds. This sound went under the loose umbrella term of Grebo and was mainly overlooked in the music press. And when it was reluctantly covered, it was often to slag it off. Maybe because the bands didn't make grandiose statements about taking over the world and said things like this instead. Would you describe yourselves as a pop band? Uh, yeah, yeah but definitely. In as much as we're a punk band as well, we're also a pop band. But I suppose essentially, pop in the sort of old, the old meaning of the words, you know. Such by that, what do you mean? Well, I mean we're not sort of not driven. Yeah, we're not really a front page, front page of Jackie Pop special sort of pop band. 
the term Gribo was used to describe rockers or bikers or greasers and appeared to be a contraction of grease boy. In the UK Midlands, it also took on the meaning of a waster, a mooch, a lazy person, a layabout. The first time it was used to describe a music scene was by music journalist James Brown in Sounds magazine in 1987 to talk about the rock bands based in Leicester, particularly garage rockers Crazy Head, psychedelic gay bikers on acid the fact that bikers appears in the name probably inspired the Gribo label If I'm honest with you, researching for this podcast was the first time I listened to either of those bands. I never knew the biker, rocker, greaser tag for Gribo. Gribo to me always meant punk bands with dance music or hip-hop influences. And no band better illustrates this point than a band forming Storebridge in the English Midlands, Pop Will Eat Itself. And as if forecasting the narrative needs of future podcasters, they illustrate this point with two tunes with Gribo in the title. Oh Gribo, I Think I Love You, which is a straight ahead guitar based pop punk tune from the mid 80s. I wish I could be young, I wish I was me, young again. I tell you I want you, but you're shattered my feelings again. I do what she wants, I do what she say But you don't wanna know me when I'm feeling this way Do what she wants, do what she say But you don't wanna know me when I'm feeling this way And I'm still dreaming, I can't believe this is the end you Tell me you love me, I've got to be more than your friend Do what she wants, do what she say But you don't wanna know me 
And the lead track from their debut album Box Frenzy in 1987, laden with samples, drum machines and borrowings from other bands like King Crimson. This is Gribo Guru. Any minute now, Pop will eat itself. Very much like scruffy pigs to look at. And they've got big knobbly warts and lumps all over their long hairy faces. They are very, very ugly indeed. But it is their second album, This Is The Day, This Is The Hour, This Is This, that really spelt out the Gribo Manifesto. Full of samples, electronic beats, raps, chants and pop culture references, including the sample bonanza treat that is DEFCON 1. record was very influenced by Public Enemy's approach to sampling, which you can learn about in Fenster's Funky 7 episode 12, and earned them a support slot on a European tour with Run DMC and Public Enemy. Sadly, the hip-hop crowds didn't appreciate their music as much as they should have, and the poppies were booed. After a particularly bad show in Amsterdam, they left the tour, an incident that the UK music press were only delighted to report on. Pop Elite itself seems to be one of the bands that are currently getting slagged off in the press. So I asked Clinton Richard from the band whether they really are the group that people love to hate. 
don't know. You can probably say better than that about us, really. We just tend to, I don't know, something we do, I suppose, tends to irritate certain quarters, but if you're, irrita if you're irritated by a pop band, then obviously you need irritating, I think, if you've got that much of a problem. Another track on the second album, Can You Dig It, sampled the 1979 film The Warriors, which you should have watched from your homework from episode 12 of Fenster's Funky Sevens, and was a list of comics, movies, music, and TV that the PWEI guys dug. Okay, let's get down to it, boppers. <laughs>
This level of nerdiness was seen as very uncool in the late 80s, but the poppies didn't care. It would take well over a decade with things like Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright's TV show Spaced to get wider acceptance. And what is the record throwing scene in Shaun of the Dead if not a visualization of Can You Dig It? Now, some of these are limited. Whoa, 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 what was that? Um, I think it was Blue Monday. That was the original press out. Oh, for fuck's sake. Mm, purple Rain. Oh, uh, Sign of the Time. Definitely not. The Batman soundtrack. Throw it. Okay. Oh, Dire Straits. Throw it. <laughs> oh! Um, oh, Stone Roses. Uh, no. Second coming. I like it. Oh, Sade. That's Liz's. Yeah, but she did dump you. Oh. They shared their love of football with the unofficial anthem to the Italia 90 World Cup, dedicated to a porn star who ended up becoming a member of the Italian Parliament. This is Touched by the Hand of La Cicalina. Their 1992 album, The Looks or the Lifestyle, was the soundtrack to my second year of college. I'll never forget the sight of the Davster's Shakespearean haircut flopping up and down as he bounced on the sofa to Bulletproof.
As we moved into the mid-90s, their music took on a heavier, more industrial sound with their 1994 album, Dos Dedos Mis Amigos, and it produced a memorable and chaotic performance of Ich Bin Ein Auslander on RTE's long-running middle-of-the-road chat show, The Late Late Show, last seen on Fenster's Funky 7's episode 11. The poppies came out with their heads wrapped in sellotape and proceeded to trash the stage while the backing track played on. The host Gay Byrne was far from impressed. Today, that's the way things happen, and uh, good evening. Yeah, yeah. Yes, all right then, okay, that's fine. Yes, very good. Great to have you with us. Uh, sitters for the point, Harry. Sitters for the point. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. The group disbanded in 1996, although have reformed several times since, and lead singer Clint Mansell went to seek his fortune in Hollywood. His first work as a soundtrack composer was for the haunting film Requiem for a Dream in the year 2000. Mike Edwards of Jesus Jones had been trying his hand at music since the late 70s, but it took almost a decade for him to find a sound that worked, as he explains. Going to acid house clubs, we would listen to hip hop. Um, we had this technology. The technology was really, really exciting to use. It was so much fun. Sampling allowed us to make those leaps and we could be just magpies picking up anything that we wanted. I saw a live clip of Jesus Jones playing their single Never Enough on ITV's chart show and was absolutely smitten. I love the band's energy and stage presence. I'm trying to remember over 30 years ago, but I think I found the footage on YouTube with a bonus intro by flinty voiced 90s icon Mariella Frostrop. Bad or just plain desperate? <laughs> Free wanna be happy 
I was so excited for the Jesus Jones album, Liquidizer. I bought it the week it was released in 1989. Alas, I couldn't connect with the studio recordings the same way I had with the live clip. I don't know, it all sounded a bit flat to me. Sorry, Jesus Jones. The band obviously didn't take my disappointment to heart, as two years later they had a huge worldwide hit with Right Here, Right Now, about the end of the Cold War. Epsom Mad Funkers EMF took the Ashley's Roach Clip drum break and processed the BJs out of it. And a snippet of one of stand up comedians Andrew Dice Clay's body nursery rhymes. The band got permission from Rick Rubin himself to use it as the album had been released on Def Jam. Well, Miss Muffet sat on a tougher. Eating a curds and whey. Long came a spidey, sat down beside, he said, Hey, what's in the bowl, bitch? Oh! You're unbelievable. They added a very catchy guitar hook and lyrics straight from the bitter heart of a recently dumped man and released it as their debut single in 1991. This is unbelievable.
they scored a chart hit in 15 countries, including number one in the USA. Some American TV show hosts had a try at defining that elusive Grebo sound. Now I'm told by people who know that it's not, not me, <laughs> not, not me either, but it's not, it's not right to call them a rock band. They're an alternative dance band. Is that so? There are subcategories and categories within categories. But one of the greatest bands of the era, the one right at the summit of Mount Grebo with Populate itself, are Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine. A duo comprising of Jim Bob and Fruit Bat, they got fed up with trying to put bands together in the mid-80s and replaced the rhythm section with synths and a drum machine. They were a punk band, a pop band, a dance band. They weren't sure. Would you think you're sort of more oriented towards dance music than rock music? Perhaps or not? Depends on what week you guess. I mean, I, I sort of half and half, you know, like, some of the stuff we do is sort of going that way, but some of the other stuff isn't, so I think it's always sort of, it's always going like that, with a bit of that as well. It was their second single about a slum landlord, Sheriff Fatman, released in 1989, that first got them attention. wit and wordplay on that tune is something they brought with them throughout their musical career. The album 101 Dalmatians and their now legendary energetic live performance earned them an army of devoted fans. The 1991 song about child abuse after the watershed pinched a line from the Rolling Stones and an injunction stopped it from appearing on their second album 30 something. Ik 
They performed after the watershed at the 1991 Smash Hits Awards and their on-stage behaviour got them a slagging from Philip Schofield, which provoked Fruitbat to rugby tackle Schofield to the ground in front of a TV audience of millions. Maybe he knew. Blimey, that was original! After the watershed from Jim Bob and the Fruitbat, pushing back the frontiers of music, otherwise known as Carter, and I think they're still smashing that at the back somewhere. Now, not only... Right. <laughs> 1991 signal blood sport for all which criticized the british army an excellent thing for any song to do was banned by the bbc as its release coincided with the start of the gulf war Scheduling issues with what should have been a triumphant headlining slot at Glastonbury meant their set was reduced to 20 minutes. A disgruntled fruit bat cursed out the festival organiser Michael Evis from the stage and earned themselves a lifetime ban from the Glastonbury Festival. 1992 wasn't a complete loss though. Their song about the devastation of the AIDS crisis scored them a top 10 hit. This is probably my favourite Carter USM song, The Only Living Boy in New Cross. Hello, good evening, welcome to nothing much and no 
As I said earlier, Grebo was a catch-all umbrella term that included a lot of styles of music. The bands involved might be quite different musically, but geography lumped them together. There was a type of melodious punk music that was very popular in the early 90s. A great example of this is the Senseless Things from London. This is Too Much Kissing from 1989. The older that you get, the more goes 
While researching this podcast, I came across an NME-invented term for these bands, Fraggle. I'd never heard of this before, probably because I never read the NME. On a 2018 article on the NME website, the sound of Fraggle is described as punk in spirit, partial to the odd drum machine in practice. Fraggle bands were ragged indie rock pirates in a generally toneless, whiny snarl and taking their cues from Nirvana's Bleach. 30 years on and the music press is still shitting on the Grebos. Anyway, Mega City 4 were a great band. This is Stop from 1992. Top of the Fraggle Rockers were from the same town as Populeet itself, Stourbridge. Did I say it right that time? Who took their name from an episode of the radio comedy The Goon Show, Ned's Atomic Dustbin. What gave the Neds a unique sound was that there was two bass players in the band, and in a lot of their songs the bass carried the main melody. A good example is their 1991 single, Happy.
I first encountered the Ned's debut single Kill Your Television on television, the ITV chart show again. When looking back, the ITV chart show was really a great way to learn about underground music because it had a dance chart and an indie chart as well as a top 40. So Kill Your Television after the chart show. Ned's Atomic Dustbin's debut album was Godfather, and I don't know how many copies it sold. I guess they sold two or three times as many Godfather t-shirts. They were everywhere. There was a national ordinance passed in Ireland in 1992. All 16-year-olds must wear their Godfather long sleeve t-shirt at all times, under penalty of relentless slagging. Let's take a look at Grebo fashion. Up top you've got dreads, an undercut or a floppy fringe, all three if you can manage it. Maybe add a cycling cap if you were a Jim Bob fan. Next, long sleeve white or black t-shirts with bright designs. Don't be afraid to flash the colour. Skate and surfing brands were popular. Add a pair of Vision Streetwear knee length shorts or combats. You gotta keep things loose and flexible for scissor kicks and stage dives. On your feet, Vans, DC or Airwalk. More conventional brands like Adidas or Nike were allowed as long as they were boot runners. I'll never call them high tops. Of course, the ever reliable pair of docks. Now you're suitably attired to listen to Greysell Green by Ned's Atomic Dustbin.
There was another strain of Grievo that was more politically motivated. These bands often came out of the New Age Traveller, Krusty and Squat scenes. Their ideals might be aligned with Public Enemy, but musically they had much more of a folk sound, taking influence from the Pogues and the Waterboys. This is One Way of Life from the Levelers from 1991. There's only one way The Levellers were a left-wing band, taking their name from an English political movement of the 1640s, during the period of the English Civil War. They called for universal voting rights, greater representation for common people and religious freedom. Another band that named themselves after an organisation from the same time period were New Model Army. The New Model Army aimed to overthrow the English monarchy and establish a parliamentary democracy. The fact that it was led by Oliver Cromwell will leave a bad taste in most Irish people's mouths. This is Vagabond by New Model Army. Army from 1991.
Easily the most successful of the folk influence Gribos were the third side of the Stourbridge Gribo Triangle, the Wonder Stuff, although they weren't as overly political as the Levelers or New Model Army. They came to my attention through where else but the ITV chart show and I listened to their 1989 album Hup constantly. I love the lead single from it, Don't Let Me Down Gently. <laughs> They went on to become hugely popular in the 90s. The Never Loved Elvis album from 1991 was a top 10 hit and also the single The Size of a Cow.
their greatest chart success was when they teamed up with comedian Vic Reeves for the single Dizzy. It felt like it was a charity single, but it wasn't. And also, unlike most charity singles, it was actually pretty good. I wonder in their song Welcome to the Cheap Seats and the line In another world he could wear a dress was the Wonderstuff's chief songwriter Miles Hunt calling out the very prevalent sexism, homophobia and transphobia of the 90s and was he heralding the more tolerant and inclusive age we live in now? Maybe. <laughs> If all you know about Burnley anarchist punk band Chumbawamba is this, then you are missing out on one of the most creative, innovative and fun bands England ever produced. They started out as a punk band in the vein of Crass, with songs brimming with musical ideas. By the 90s they had expanded their sound to include pop, hip-hop, dub, 
dance beats, sampling and a cappella choral singing, but keeping their razor sharp political opinions. Their 1991 album Shh caused them many sample clearance headaches, but the finished product is an absolute triumph. I was lucky enough to see them perform in Dublin in 1992 with Fagazi and In Motion, put on by Hope Promotions, who we last met in Fenster's Funky Sevens episode 4, and I still hold it up as one of the best gigs I've ever seen. They opened the show with this one, Big Mouth Strikes Again, featuring MC Fusion. Big 
spend their time as censors working overtime. This good, good culture. a definite dub flavour to that tune. Another anarcho-punk group who liked to use reggae and dub influences were Back to the Planet from the London squat party scene. They were probably best known for the song Teenage Turtles from 1993. They just want people with a brain in their ass to use, abuse and affect you. Die, 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 die. I'll sing you and I suss you. I know where you're at. I blame the parents, blame the schools, blame the telly with that Brain, brain, on, on, on the blink, blink. Have you got a brain? But they were also known to go full on dub, like this song, Starved by Ignorance.
Bristol has always been a centre for dub and bass music, helped in no small part by producer Adrian Sherwood and his On You Sound record label. He sprinkled some of his dub magic over Pop Will Eat Itself's Bulletproof. You and I, you and I, unify. Crystal Scene also gave the UK charts one of its most unique hit singles, the Acid House dub crossover of Gary Clayle on new sound system Human Nature in thing you know about the Boo Radleys is the summer sunshine guitar pop of Wake Up Boo. You should check out their 1993 album Giant Steps. A brilliant blend of shoegaze, psychedelic pop and dub mixed with some excellent songwriting. The 12-inch mix of Lazarus with the extended intro is one of my favourite tunes from the period. I love that trumpet man. 
I'm from Ireland and I was thinking were there any Irish bands that might be considered Grebo. One that sprung to mind instantly was Therapy and their first release in 1991, Baby Teeth. A rock band incorporating sampling and dance beats into their music. With the song Meat Abstract, you'd have to say yes. Therapy didn't need a drum machine though, they had the electrifying Fife Ewing behind the kit to make the drums as funky and as tough as you could ever need. This is Innocent X. And looking at that title 30 years later, I'm wondering if this song is about Pope Innocent X, the most politically shrewd pontiff the Vatican has ever known.
The reason Blink-182, are called Blink-182, is because of Dublin band Blink, who released their debut album, A Map of the Universe, in 1994. You can tell they were listening to Carter USM before making It's Not My Fault. Another Dublin band, A House, started out as a jangly guitar indie band, not dissimilar to R.E.M. as their 1988 Irish hit, I'll Always Be Grateful, shows. But by their third album in 1991, they had evolved into something far more original, as the tinny drum machine-led title track, I Am The Greatest Attests. good music. You know in the days when you could feel it, it was almost sexual, sending shivers up your spine. This I believe is because songwriters were not restricted by the small music dictatorship which now exists. Let's hope the future holds something better than the present and let's leave the past alone. The music business is incapable of bringing music to the future, as it sits just waiting to pounce on any third-rate trend, milking it to death, once again putting money where the music is not. I only wish I was born before all the great ideas were used. While I struggle to working around this, the most annoying thing is watching other people succeed through stealing them. I could have been a legend in my own time. I could have sold a lot of records. I could have enjoyed it as well. 
I could have been a lot of things. One thing I know I am and will always be. Greatest. I am the greatest. Hey, bumped into this bloke the other day who we used to know at school. We didn't say hello because he'd had his hair slightly permed and I'd had all mine shaved off. He was always a bit of a clown. He used to be a hard man, but he did his homework because I knew that one day he'd be going places. I knew I should have asked him there and then. Was he happy now that he finally got there? He goes to bed thinking of ways to fiddle 10 more pounds on his expenses. Me? I go to bed thinking of all the reasons why I am the greatest. Another track on that album, Endless Art, is one of the most unique sounding singles of the 1990s and even includes a bit of Beethoven. All art is quite useless according to Oscar Wilde. Turner, 1775 to 1851. Toulouse Lautrec, 1864 to 1901. Andy Warhol, 1928 to 1987, R.I.P. Ernest Hemingway, 1899 to 1961. George Orwell, Jimi Hendrix, William Butler Yeats, Jack B. Yeats, Richard Redgrave, 1804 to 1888. Henry Moore, 1896 to 1994's Here Comes the Good Times would give the Wonder Stuff a run for their money. Grebo is rock, punk and indie bands adopting technology and dance and hip-hop beats. Maybe there's a case to be made that Sinead O'Connor is Ireland's greatest Grebo. She first came to international attention with her debut album The Lion and the Cobra in 1987 and the single Mandinka.
For her next single, she remixed the album track I Want Your Hands On Me to include 16-year-old rapper MC Light. In 1988, hip-hop was still struggling to be seen as a valid form of artistic expression, and collaboration between hip-hop artists and more, in inverted commas, conventional musicians was still very uncommon. The pair blended well on the track, and Sinead insisted that MC Light share the billing and credit. Sinead also had a special relationship with Public Enemy, representing them at the 1989 Grammy Awards, as she explained on the Blind Boy podcast. It was the first year that there was going to be a rap award at the Grammys, but the Grammys were refusing to televise the rap award, right? So Public Enemy, whose records kept getting banned and then entering the chart at number one, uh, decided to boycott the awards and they asked me instead to collect their award for them. Wow. So I had their emblem um, painted into the side of my head as a kind of a homage. It was a case of real recognizing real from Chuck D of Public Enemy's perspective. I protested the Grammys in 1989 because they refused to recognize rap music and hip hop as a legitimate musical category. I thought it was like admirable when she put the Public Enemy logo in her head. With Sinead O'Connor, you didn't get the sense that she was just being pretentious or she was fake. It was like, yeah, she's seriously has issues with this. This is what's going to drive her artistry. She's committed to that. This relationship was further solidified when Sinead had Public Enemies producer Hank Shockley remix her track The Emperor's New Clothes in Emperor's New Clothes featured on Sinead's 5 million selling album, I Do Not Want What I Have Not Got, which also included the track, I Am Stretched On Your Grave. This track samples James Brown's fundamental hip-hop drum break, The Funky Drummer. 
1994 album, Universal Mother, featured production from Bomb the Bass's Tim Simeon. And as Sinead was always on the cutting edge of new music, she got M-Beat wicked, wicked. Jungle is massive. to do a jungle remix of her track, Fire on Babylon. close the podcast i want to go back to 1991 and sinead's collaboration with ja wobbles invaders of the heart and the dubby eastern flavored visions of you the lyrics of this song take on another level of poignancy after sinead's recent passing sinead o'connor was an immense talent with the finest voice of her generation sinead always used the platform her talents gave her to call out injustice and hypocrisy in this world regardless of what consequences that might bring Sinead used her incredible voice to speak for people with no voice. Sinead was a person of great courage and principle, kindness and empathy. She represents the part of Irish culture that makes me proud of my country. I miss you Sinead, rest in peace.
Thank you for making it through to the end of Fenster's Funky Sevens, episode 13. If you'd like to get in touch with the podcast, you can do so. FensterDJ at Gmail or FensterDJ on Twitter or Instagram. Tell me all your Grebo memories. Tell me some of the bands that you saw back in the early 90s. Tell me all the songs that I missed out on, the bands that I missed out on. Tell me that all that dub stuff and Sinead O'Connor stuff had nothing to do with Grebo. That's the end of this podcast. Take care and bye-bye. We find it necessary We know we will win We have confidence In the victory Of good Over Evil Fight the real enemy